Determined for your people and for your holy city. And as you take notes in your Bible, underline that. These 70 weeks are for who? For your people and your holy city. So this is for the people of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint. The most holy. Now, y'all bear with me for a little bit. Some of you, like, I know all this stuff. Some of you have never heard this before. So I'm going to meet you in the middle, okay? I'm going to give you just a crash course. The Hebrew word for week is the Hebrew word seven. And here is talking about a week of years, not a week of days. It's kind of like how we use the word decade to describe ten years. Well, in Daniel, it's talking, it uses the word week to describe a set of seven years. So uh, when you see week in Daniel 9, it's talking about seven years. Are we with me so far? Okay, so how many years is in a week here? Seven years. Okay, three of you got it. The rest of you catch up. How do we know that? Because in Daniel 12, God spells it out for him. He explains that half a week is 1,260 days. And in the Hebrew lunar, lunar calendar, that's exactly three and a half years. So, okay, so we can check our work, okay? And according to Daniel 12, a week is seven years. So each week is a set of seven years. Daniel 9, verses 25 and 26. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. So we have a period of 49 years for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, followed by a period of 430 years for Messiah the Prince to come. Now this is huge because God is literally telling the prophet Daniel the year when the Messiah will appear in Jerusalem. This is amazing, y'all. Uh Amazing. To me, this is even more significant than telling him about, about the, the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and then the Romans. This is, this is a big deal. He is telling him, okay, you'll know from the moment that de the decree goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem, you can know exactly when the Messiah is going to appear. We know from the Bible and from archaeology that in 445 B.C., the king of Persia allowed Nehemiah to go back and be back and rebuild Jerusalem, okay? And from Nehemiah chapter 2, we, two, we even know the month. Fast forward 483 years, and what do we find that same month? The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. You can't tell me this book ain't true. And you cannot convince me that Jesus is not the Messiah. Come on, y'all. Daniel 9, 26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. 
but not for himself. Who was he cut off for, church? Oh, y'all got to get with me today. Come on, y'all tired this morning? Y'all got some turkey in your system. Listen, this is a big deal. He's telling him when he's going to come and what's going to happen. The Messiah is going to be cut off, but not for himself. And Isaiah said, come on, come on, let, let me in, let me in, coach. He said, no, no, he's going to be wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. And the chastisement of my peace will be upon him, and by his stripes we will be healed. The Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, but for him. It happened just like God said it in the timing God had preordained. So God told Daniel about the Messiah's death. He warned him about a secret. He warned him about the Messiah's Now we're going to find out about the Antichrist. Will be cut off, but not for himself, for us, right? And that's the end of the 69th week of the Pentecost series. There's a whole lot of history between here and here, the God's prophetic promise of the time of Daniel is God. That 30th week does not start until the Antichrist brings a peace agreement between Israel and the the Lord happens in the middle, what we call this the prophetic text, Romans 11 calls it the premise of the Gentiles, the church, the image of the Bible says, 
kingdom of the Gentiles, in uh, the the temple is destroyed. Remember that. In the 18th, the kingdom of Jerusalem is torn down. And this, this is significant, okay? Because halfway through the seven years, the new temple is defiled. You don't have to shout it in or anything. Just listen. Just take it in, okay? Y'all still with me? Some of you? Okay, hang in there. It'll be all right. But Daniel's 70th week is what the Bible calls the tribulation. Now you know where I'm going with this? Okay? All right. And it all starts with the so-called peace. It's peace, but it's false peace. Why? Because he's a false messiah. He's a counterfeit prince of peace. He breaks that peace deal three and a half years in, Daniel 9, 27. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Daniel 12, 11, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. The Jewish calendar, three and a half years. So halfway into this peace deal, the Antichrist goes into the temple in Jerusalem and defiles the temple. Now this is very interesting because at this point the second temple has been destroyed. You know what that means? There's going to be a third temple. That means on the temple mount in Israel, in Jerusalem, they're going to rebuild the temple again. Did you know that in Jerusalem, there is a group of rabbis that have organized something called the Temple Institute? And they have made, they have fabricated all of the priestly garments and all of the ordinances and all of the tools required to worship God in the temple that it's all ready? Did you know beyond that, that they have cut every stone required to build the temple and that they're being stored labeled in warehouses and that one of the rabbis from the temple institute was interviewed and they asked him when you get permission to rebuild the temple how long will it take to put it together and he said 72 hours Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like something Jesus said? To tear down this temple and in three days we'll raise it up again? Do you know, according to the law of Moses, in order to cleanse the temple, they have to cleanse it with the ashes of an extremely rare red heifer and they have those too? We are so close that it's not even funny. Generations before us never dreamed of these things falling into place. That's why, church, we better take this stuff seriously. So the book of Daniel is our first glimpse of the seven-year tribulation. And I'll put this on Facebook for those of you who want to take this and study. I've got scripture references up there for you. I've got another timeline that shows a little more detail and has some more scriptures on it. Uh, here's another timeline of the tribulation, okay? 
Again, this is a broad overview of the tribulation period. Again, you asked for it, so I'm teaching you, okay? If you want to know more details, just ask questions, all right? So it begins with the false peace treaty with Israel, right? The Antichrist false peace. Uh, and you can disagree with, with me on this if you want to, but I believe that the first half of the tribulation is where God's two witnesses are preaching the gospel and prophesying in Jerusalem. Okay, I believe this is where they're going to preach the gospel to Israel. Halfway through the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to actually sit down in the Holy of Holies in the temple and proclaim himself as God. And then things get really bad from this point forward. Things and then this is this part is what Jesus calls the great tribulation where the people of God are fleeing Jerusalem. Okay? This is the beginning of the worst of the worst. Matthew 24, 15, Jesus said, When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. In other words, y'all got to get out of there. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No atrocity, no war, no violence that has ever happened in the history of the world will compare to that three and a half years of the great tribulation. Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So things are going to get really bad at this point. And here's a related question that somebody asked. What is the purpose of the tribulation? Think about who Jesus was talking to in his warning here about the tribulation. Was he talking to Gentiles? No, he was talking to Jewish believers because he's talking about the holy place in Jerusalem. He's talking about those who are living in Judea and he specifically says hope that you don't have to flee on the Sabbath. Right? Now think back to what God said to Daniel in Daniel 9.24. He said 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city. Your people, Israel, your holy city, Jerusalem. Now, disagree with me all you want. Write me letters if you want to. That's fine. I won't read them eventually. Okay. But I believe, according to the scriptures, the purpose of the tribulation is the salvation of Israel. Again, you can have a different opinion. That's fine. But this is what I see when I read the scriptures. In fact, Jeremiah calls the tribulation the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 37, alas, for the day is great so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. The New Living Translation puts it like this. In all history, there's never been such a time of terror. It will be a time of trouble for my people Israel, yet in the end, they will be saved. Another reason I believe this is that the 144,000 will be sealed by God. Here's somebody else's question. Who are the 144,000 from the book of Revelation? I'm glad you asked me that. Okay. I believe that the Bible gives us this answer plainly. It is not a mysterious 
Revelation 7 and verse 4, John said, and I heard the number. You all remember he said that about the army of 200 million, right? He said, I heard the number. He's emphasizing that he was given this exact number to write down. He said, I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000. Who? Who are they? Of all the tribes of the children of Israel. The rest of the chapter even lists them by tribe. (laughs) So these are Jewish people from the tribes of Israel who trust in Jesus during the tribulation. Again, my view from the scriptures is that the purpose of the tribulation is the salvation of Israel. These 144,000 Jews are sealed, which means they're protected by God. They are kept safe from God's divine judgments on the earth and from the wrath of the Antichrist. And Revelation 14.4 says that these 144,000 are the first fruits of the redeemed of Israel for God and for the Lamb. In other words, they're just the beginning. We talked about this when I told on God's heart for Israel last month. In the end, all of Israel will turn to Jesus the Messiah, Zechariah 12.10, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication when they look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one, as one who mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one who grieves for a firstborn. There will be a great repentance and a turning to Jesus, and they will know that Jesus is the consolation of Israel. Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The purpose of the tribulation is the salvation of Israel. Let's look back at that tribulation timeline, okay? Here in the first half, okay, you have the two witnesses preaching in Jerusalem. Who are those two witnesses? Well, there's a lot of speculation But let me ask you this. Who were the two prophets who appeared to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Elijah and Moses. Some of y'all know you've been in the Word. Come on, if you didn't know the answer, read your Bible. (laughs) Moses and Elijah. But Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. And I believe that that those same two witnesses will be in the last days in Jerusalem because the law and the prophets will bear witness to Israel that Jesus is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Okay, if you look at the signs and wonders that they perform in Revelation, it lines up with the signs and wonders that Elijah and Moses performed in the Old Testament. Check it out. I dare you. Go home and read it and study it for yourself. Be a part of the blessing of studying Revelation. Amen? Next question. Are the 144,000 just in Israel or will they be spread out worldwide? I would say yes to both. I believe that they will originate in Israel. And right now we see, even with the war with Hamas, we see a concentration, a further pushing of the Jews from the four corners of the world back into the nation of Israel. 
Okay, uh, um, don't quote me exactly, but they, they called roughly 250,000 troops to come back up to service for the IDF, and they had almost 600,000 come from around the world. God is pushing and further calling and concentrating the Jewish people back into the nation of Israel. And right after listing all the tribes of the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7, it goes right into the next verse, verse 9. It says, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne of God and worshiped, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered me and said, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know, just like Ezekiel told God in the Valley of Dry Bones, uh, why are you asking me? You know, Lord. Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. And the sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Again, you can disagree with me all you want, but I believe that the second half of Revelation 7 happens because of the first half. I believe that this is cause and effect. I believe that God seals the 144,000, that he keeps them from, the destru from destruction so that they can go out into the world and reach people from Christ of every nation, tribe, and tongue. In Revelation 12, God speaks of Israel as a woman giving birth. In Revelation 12, 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was called up to God in his throne. Jesus. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she was uh, to a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days, three and a half years, the great tribulation. So these are the Jewish believers fleeing Jerusalem for the second half of the tribulation in Jerusalem. And this is where I believe that the 144,000 are going to go out and be dispersed in the world to preach the gospel. The Jehovah's Witnesses actually claim that 144,000 is a limit on the number of people who will reign with Christ in heaven and spend eternity with God. But that is not what the Bible says. They are the first fruits of the redeemed of Israel. Y'all good? Everybody all right? Amen. Amen. All right. I'm almost done. Just a couple more questions, and then we'll pray and we'll go eat something. Amen. Y'all look like you need to eat something. Hallelujah. All right. Next question. Who are those in Revelation 7:14 who come out of the great tribulation washed in the blood of the Lamb? These are people who come to Christ during the tribulation. Listen, there is hope for those who don't make it in the rapture. But hear me. Not only will life on earth be unbearable, you will pay a high price 
for following Christ in the time of tribulation because you will die a martyr's death. The Bible says you'll be beheaded for pledging allegiance to Christ instead of the Antichrist. And the beheading of believers is actually a, a hint to me of who the Antichrist will be. And we'll talk more about that next Sunday. But Jesus said, be faithful in the death and I will give you a crown of life. So there is hope for loved ones who are left behind. But listen, you make sure you're not left behind. Because Jesus said if this time wasn't cut short, nobody would make it. Here's a question that I'm going to talk about today and really answer next week. Okay, What are the seven seals and what do they do? Revelation chapter 5. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Now, th this seven sealed scroll is a big deal. Okay, this is the title deed to planet Earth. Okay, we know from ancient scrolls the significance of a seven-sealed scroll. Okay, it has seven seals, and it's the hand of the supreme ruler. It's in the hand of God. Okay, this is very important. You see, at creation, when humankind sinned, God had originally given us dominion over the earth, right? Okay, he still owns the earth, but he gave us dominion, rulership over the earth. But when we sinned, we lost dominion and gave it to the devil. Bible says the whole world is under the control of the evil one, but that time, thanks be to God, is soon coming to an end. And according to Revelation, only the rightful owner can open the scroll. Revelation 5, 2, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose his seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Buddha wasn't worthy. Muhammad wasn't worthy. Krishna wasn't worthy. Biden wasn't worthy. Trump wasn't worthy. Have I messed up everybody yet? Nobody, not in heaven, not on the earth, not even under the earth, was worthy to open the scroll. None of them were worthy to even look at it. John said, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus, the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, the Aryeh Yehuda, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who's on the flag of Jerusalem. They don't even know they're ready for him to come, but they are. He is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. And if you read through Revelation chapter 6, you'll see that as each seal is opened, there is judgment that's released on the earth. So I've got a timeline. You can look at it. It'll be on Facebook if you want to study it this week. But it just lists the seven seals and what happens at the seven seals. And this is kind of a rough placement of things. The first seal is the Antichrist revealed. The second seal is war. The third is famine. The fourth is pestilence. By the way, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Antichrist, war, famine, pestilence, the fifth seal is martyrdom. This is when the abomination of desolation happens. And then you have earthquakes and darkness where the stars fall from the heavens. And then the seventh seal 
is seven trumpets of judgment. And the seventh trumpet of judgment is seven bowls of wrath. In other words, the further you go into the tribulation, the judgment and the wrath of God on the earth gets exponentially worse. It exponentially increases. And I'll talk about this more next week. But this is my last question. If I got left behind in the rapture, can I repent and turn back to God? Listen, if you don't follow Jesus now in the time of relative peace and prosperity, do you really think you'll follow him in the great tribulation? I have to ask you, if you won't live for him now, why would you die for him later? I say to you this morning, do not wait. Make the decision today. Be all in for Jesus. Revelation twenty two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. If your soul is thirsty, come and drink from the water of life now. Why would you wait? Jesus is standing with open arms, ready and willing to receive, to cleanse, to set free, to deliver, to change all who would surrender their life to him. What are you holding on to that would keep you from reaching out to Jesus? There is nothing in this life, no pleasure, no passion, nothing worth your soul. There is nothing worth losing your soul for. Whosoever, whosoever, let him now today take freely the water of life. Will you stand this morning as we pray? Lord, we just thank you for this beautiful morning, Father. I thank you for waking us up today. God, I just thank you for your word, Lord, and I just thank you that as we dig deeper into Revelations, Father, that you are revealing things to us that we didn't know. God, and if there's anything that we don't understand, Father, that as we dig in, Lord, and as we study, Father, that you continue to reveal knowledge to us, Father. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, for that, Lord, and I just thank you this morning, Lord, that you've been working on hearts, Father. Lord, I just thank you that you've been softening hearts, Lord. Lord, I just thank you, Father, Lord, that right now any heart that has become hardened because of past hurt, because of, of wrongful teaching, God, that this morning that you're softening their heart, Father, Lord, and that they know that today it's not too late for them to come to you, Father. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you use us to be a vessel of hope, to be a place of salvation, Father. God, that our church is used, Father, of you. God, that your anointing is in this place. And that no matter what we need, Father, that you're here. That you know those needs. You know those tears that we cry. You know of confusion. You know of the chaos in our life, Father. You know of a miracle that we need, Lord. God, you know of any hurt that we've suffered, Lord. God, you know it all, Father. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for just bringing healing this morning, Father. God, that you just bring healing to hearts and minds and bodies this morning, Father. That as we trust you, Father, God, that you show up, Lord, and you show out, Father, because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
You reign and you rule, Father. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for that peace that surpasses all understanding right now, Father, that is in this room. God, I just thank you for that peace, Lord, that is flowing to some hearts that need to feel your peace, Father. That you're touching some people this morning, Father, that have been suffering from depression, who feel like all hope is gone. God, I thank you this morning for bringing life into them, Father. That they feel your peace. That they see and they feel your love, Father. God, that you make yourself known to them, Father. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for calling some home this morning. That have served you at some point in their life. And they know. They know the word. But they walked away from it. God, I thank you this morning, Father, Lord, that you're staying in there with open arms saying, come, I haven't moved. I'm right where you left me. And Lord, I just thank you for changing lives today, Father. God, for giving us a passion, Lord, to serve you in these last few days that we have, Father, on this earth. God, that you use us mightily, Father, Lord, to touch the ends of this earth, Father, to touch Goldsboro, to touch the country and to touch the nations, Father. God, I thank you that you use us, Lord, that we don't become complacent, that we don't wait until a better time that we think is better, but that we serve you. right now to serve him. Right now it's easy compared to what the tribulation people are going to go through. So don't wait. Don't wait. Make a decision today to serve God. Stop being halfway and serve him wholeheartedly. Because he loves you wholeheartedly. 
doesn't love you halfway. He loves you with his whole heart. So we need to serve him with our whole heart. And this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And I'm going to ask that everybody repeat this prayer after me. And that is, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just pray?